Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This current series of messages is on the book of Acts, showing its relevance for today as a pattern book for the operation of the Holy Spirit through the church. Be sure also to get a copy of Kevin's commentary on the book of Acts. Visit kevinconnor.org for details. I'd like you tonight to turn uh, your Bibles to the book of Acts. And we're going to uh, just have a brief overview of uh, Acts chapter 24, 25, and 26. So let's turn to Acts uh, chapter 24. Now as we uh, glance at these three chapters tonight, we'll find Acts chapter 24 is Paul's testimony before Felix. Acts chapter 25 is uh, Paul's testimony before Festus. And then Acts chapter 26 is uh, Paul's testimony before King Agrippa. Now just before we pick up some of the uh, important points there, I'd like to remind you of some things that we have uh, looked at in the past sessions. So I'm going to refer back to Acts chapter 9. Now we find what's happening here in Acts chapter 24, 25 and 26 is that the word of the Lord to uh, uh, Saul as he was then is being fulfilled, uh, particularly through uh, who I believe Ananias was a prophet and gave him a prophetic word after his conversion on the road to Damascus. So in Acts chapter 9, 15, just reminding ourselves, the Lord said to Ananias, uh, go, the Lord said it to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake so you'll note the order there as we've looked at on a previous occasion number one uh, Paul's testimony he was chosen to bear the name of the Lord number one before the Gentiles he's been doing this in the uh, founding of the Gentile churches along with Barnabas and Silas and the uh, apostolic teams and number two he was to bear, uh, bear the uh, name of the Lord as a vessel before the children of Israel. And we see this before the Sanhedrin. And uh, then number three, uh, he was to bear the name of the Lord as a vessel before kings or before rulers. And so uh, we've seen Paul's testimony and witness to the Gentiles. We've seen it before the Sanhedrin and the rulers of Israel. Now particularly we're seeing the fulfillment of this prophetic word that he would bear witness of the name of the Lord before kings and before rulers. And so we have in Acts chapter 24 uh, the governor Felix. In Acts chapter 25 uh, the governor Festus. And then Acts chapter 26 King Agrippa. Now... There's some uh, uh, very important things to remember what's taking place here. Uh, and uh, the Lord just sort of opened this door to Paul here, uh, where he could testify of him before these rulers, uh, before he uh, went on to Rome. And uh, we notice that in these testimonies here that the, uh, that the Lord really gave Paul a tremendous opportunity of testifying about the gospel. And, uh, and we see the distinct wisdom of God in the approach here before these men. Now there's some scriptures I'd like to remind you of because I believe uh, these things are being fulfilled here in Paul's testimony and uh, so I'm going to read uh, several scriptures first of all as a foundation to what we'll be sharing here. Now in Matthew's uh, Gospel chapter 10 we have the account of Jesus sending forth the twelve apostles 
And here uh, we have in the book of Acts, of course, the Apostle Paul we're looking at particularly. But in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, and verses 16 through to 25, listen to the language that we've got here as Jesus talks to the, the, to the twelve apostles. So verse 16, Jesus talking to the twelve, says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Uh, Paul is going to be uh, before, as it were, a pack of wolves here, and he certainly depends upon the wisdom of the Lord, and is certainly wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. Jesus continues, But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. And Paul has experienced that as he's gone from town to town, generally preaching in the synagogues to the Jew first and then to the Gentiles. Then in verse 18, And you will be brought before governors... And here Paul is being brought before the governor Felix, the governor Festus, and then uh, continues on, and kings for my sake, as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. So Paul is going to be brought before King Agrippa also, and uh, Gentile uh, people who are going to be gathered in the court. The Lord continues on here and says, but when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you shall speak. I want you to notice that. Do not worry how or what, the how or the what, how are you going to speak? Uh, well, you know, because all of us go through that, oh, how am I going to say it, uh, you know, or what am I going to say? Uh, so the how is the manner and the spirit in which you say it, the what is the material, and uh, it's quite evident that Paul didn't have a chance to uh, get a testimony, uh, sort of all written out in a prepared testimony, uh, when he suddenly brought before court, but it was in his heart, and so as uh, the Lord Jesus said here, when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. Uh, for it is not you that speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. So very clear scripture here. Uh, Jesus gave it to the twelve apostles, but uh, it, it's well applicable to Paul and to all of us in that sense. So Paul is not going to worry about how he's going to speak or what he's going to speak uh, when he's brought before the councils and before governors and uh, king, and in this case, King Agrippa. Now let's turn to Luke chapter 21. In the Luke's uh, Gospel, chapter 21, we have a very, uh, very similar vein of thought. So Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, and I'd like to read verses 12 through to 19, uh, which is of a similar vein. So Luke, chapter 21, verses 12 through to 19. Uh, and Jesus, again, talking to the 12 apostles, of course. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. Paul has experienced this uh, through the synagogues. He's been in prison. And yet here it says, you will be brought before kings and rulers for my sake. And here Paul is going to be before uh, King Agrippa and before the rulers, the governors. Uh, Jesus says here, but it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer, what you will speak. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to re contradict or resist. And that's exactly what's happening. God is going to give Paul a, a mouth and wisdom and a testimony that none of his adversaries will be able to contradict or resist. And uh, 
Paul doesn't have to sort of meditate beforehand, oh, what am I going to say, how am I going to say it, as we've already read. Now, there's one other scripture in the Gospel of John I'd like to uh, look at also, and then we'll go back to the book of Acts and touch on the high spots of Paul's testimony. John chapter 16, and uh, we'll read verses 1 through to uh, 3 or 1 through to 4 might be better, and then on uh, 7 through to 11. Jesus said to the apostles again here, but these things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble, you will not be offended. They will put you out of the synagogues, and Paul experienced that. Yes, the time is coming that whosoever kills you will think that he uh, is doing God a service, or offers God service. And uh, these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you that when the time comes you may, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going away to him who sent me. So, so Jesus is forewarning the apostles that they will be scourged, they will be put out of the synagogues, that time's going to come when uh, even uh, the people will kill them and they'll be thinking that they're doing God's service, showing, showing that uh, religious spirit. And then in verse 7-11, we have a look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that, I'm going to go away, but the Holy Spirit is come, going to come to you. So listen to the language here. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is uh, to your advantage or it's expedient that I go away, for if I do not go away, the comforter, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he is come, he will convict the world, number one, of sin, and number two, of righteousness, and number three, of judgment. Of sin, number one, because they do not believe in me. Uh, number two, of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And number three, of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Now those uh, several scriptures I've read to you from the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Luke, and the Gospel of John, uh, we're going to find that Paul experienced all these above. Now I want to uh, go to the chalkboard here and uh, just sort of put out a, 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 uh, an outline of the framework that we're going to be sharing. So up the top here, here we have the Apostle Paul. And uh, he's a chosen vessel to bear the name of the Lord before Gentiles, before uh, the children of Israel and before rulers. All right, so we have the Apostle Paul. Now, Acts chapter 24, we have Paul's testimony before Felix, uh, the governor. So Acts chapter 24. And then uh, number two here, we have Paul's testimony uh, and witness before Festus, who actually taught, uh, took Felix's uh, Felix place. And this is Acts chapter 24. And then uh, in Acts chapter 20, uh, 25, correction there, Acts chapter 25, and then uh, we come to Paul's testimony before King Agrippa. And this is given in Acts chapter 26. So look at the picture that we have here on the outline. So the Apostle Paul and his testimony before Felix, uh, the governor in Acts chapter 24, before Festus the governor in Acts chapter 25, and before King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26. So uh, we're going to look uh, just very briefly at these three men because each of them actually present a, uh, a very excellent and interesting character study as we see uh, uh, you know, their response and reaction to Paul's uh, testimony. So uh, I, I've entitled uh, for, for Acts chapter 24, uh, Felix the Procrastinator, 
and then Acts chapter 25, Festus, the man-pleaser, and then Acts chapter 26, uh, for Agrippa, the almost persuaded. Uh, and so there's good character studies. Let me say that again for those of you taking notes. So Acts chapter 24, Paul's testimony before Felix, the procrastinator. Acts chapter 25, Paul's testimony before Festus, uh, the man-pleaser. Uh, and then uh, Acts chapter 26, Paul's testimony before King Agrippa, the almost persuaded. Now let's look at these uh, three rulers and um, see their response to Paul's testimony here. All right, the first one we're looking at is Felix. His name, by the way, means happy and prosperous, and as I said, we've entitled him the man who procrastinated. Now we're told, uh, according to history, that Felix was a very cruel uh, Roman uh, governor of Judea, and he was appointed by the Emperor Claudius, uh, whose freedman he was. And so in Acts chapter 24, as we turn back now to the respective chapters we're looking at, in Acts chapter 24 and verse 1, we find that, uh, uh, that the court case is about to take place. It's here in Caesarea. And so we have Annas the high priest, Ananias, pardon me, Ananias the high priest, and then the elders, and amongst them a certain orator named Tertullus. And uh, these gave evidence to the governor against Paul. And so uh, in the following verses we find uh, that there is a preliminary uh, courtesies that were given uh, when he was called upon Tertullus began his accusation against Paul saying, well seeing that through you we enjoy great peace and prosperity is being brought to this nation by your foresight. Uh, we accept it always in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness. And uh, sort of some pre preliminary courtesies given here and thanking Felix for his kindness to the Jews. And now in verse 5 through to 9, we have the charge that is brought against uh, uh, Paul, as he, as he is now. And uh, so we listen to these charges that were brought against him. Uh, they say that he's a, a pestilent fellow, that he's, a, a, the, in fact, the Amplified says he's a perfect pest, a real plague. Then they are charges of uh, sedition amongst the Jews throughout the whole world, that he's an agitator and a source of disturbance. Uh, the charge that he's the ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes, that was a heretical uh, division-producing sect. They said he was uh, a profaner of the temple, that he desecrated and defiled the temple of Jerusalem. And he goes on to say that they would have uh, judged him by Jewish law if the chief captain hadn't taken the matter out of their hands and put Paul under Roman Jewish uh, addiction there. And so uh, the Jews with Tertullus, uh, uh, they all agree to these charges against Paul. Now in verses uh, 1 through, uh, verses, uh, pardon me, verses 10 through to 21, we find Paul's defense against these false accusations. And uh, of course, you know, you've got Ananias, the high priest here, you've got the elders from uh, Jerusalem here, you've got uh, the orator Tertullus here, and uh, so Paul as a Jew is speaking to them, so Paul knew the, uh, the law of Moses, and he knew that these very men in the accusations were violating the very uh, law of Moses that they professed to uphold. They, they should have ha been true witnesses, uh, instead they were false witnesses and uh, trumped up charges, so Paul denies the charge that he was causing dispute in the temple and the synagogue or in the city and he uh, challenges them that they cannot even prove the things that they're accusing him of 
And uh, so Paul then gives his testimony that what they call heresy, he does worship God and he admits that he believes, he does believe in the law of Moses and the prophets, but that the law and the, uh, the prophets all pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say that the hope that he has, the hope in God, is the hope of the resurrection. He says in verse 15, I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. And so Paul testified that he endeavored to have a clear conscience before all men. Goes on to say that when he was in Jerusalem, he was fulfilling a vow in the temple, and the Jews saw him in the temple, the Jews from Asia, and uh, that this was the whole thing that caused the uproar because they thought that he had uh, taken a Gentile uh, in, into the temple area with him, which was against the law. And so he was arrested falsely and charged falsely. And then Paul ends up his uh, testimony here and say, well, these Asian Jews should have been here to give evidence at the court if they had any charges. And um, so we find here that the high priest and the elders couldn't give any true charge against him except that he uh, really upset the Sanhedrin when he talked about the hope of the resurrection because as we've seen previously, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection and the Sadducees didn't. And so we have Paul's uh, defense here uh, before Felix and uh, the case of the judgment. Now what we find as we go on in verse 24 and 25, after Felix hears uh, uh, this uh, testimony of Paul, and it's very interesting that we're told that Felix had more accurate knowledge of the way. Uh, and through the book of Acts, though our translation uh, doesn't always bring this out clearly, uh, the early church and early Christians were called people of the way. In fact, uh, there's uh, one, two, three, four, five, at least six designations for the, uh, the uh, people in the book of Acts, the people who belong to the law. And let me just say them briefly. In Acts chapter 9 and here, number one, they are called the people of the way. Uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So they were people of the way. Number two, uh, they were called uh, those who belonged to the sect of the Nazarene, Acts 24, verse 5, in this very chapter. Number three, they were called Christians, Acts 11 and verse 26. Number four, they were called disciples, Acts 9, 31. And number five, they were referred to as believers. Uh, believers were the more added to the Lord, Acts chapter 2. And then, of course, the corporate name of, uh, of all were, uh, was the church. And the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved, Acts 2, 47. And so we find that uh, in, uh, in this chapter, Felix heard these things in verse 22, having more accurate knowledge of the way he adjourned the proceedings and said, oh, well, I'll make a decision. So he actually procrastinated and he uh, wanted to hear more about the faith in Christ. Then we find that uh, 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 later on, after some days, Felix with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And so here Paul has the opportunity to testify to Felix, who is a Roman himself, and Drusilla, his wife, who is a Jewess. So both nationalities are brought together here. And uh, so he, he, he spoke to them both. Now, you'll notice how verse 25 links up with what we read in John 16. Now, as he, that is Paul, reasoned about righteousness, temperance, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid. He actually trembled with conviction and said, Go your way for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. 
And uh, so we have no idea that he ever called for Paul again. He trembled with conviction because Jesus said, when the Spirit is come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. And uh, he's a man who is trembling under conviction of, uh, as Paul reasoned with him about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Uh, convicted, uh, but, uh, but, did not, uh, but did not repent. That's the situation we have. And then, of course, we have the real reason uh, found in verse 26 and 27 that uh, Felix hoped that Paul would have given him money uh, uh, to, uh, you know, so he'd be released because there was no real charge. And we're told, therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. So he's a man that uh, when he stands before the Lord, he has no excuse because he heard the gospel very clearly through the mouth of the Apostle Paul, his wife also. So Felix referred to as the procrastinator and how many people procrastinate and put the time off and hear the gospel, they're convicted but never come to repentance. All right, as time is moving on, let's move to number two. The next man we're looking at, governor, the governor of Festus, and this is found in Acts chapter 25. And his name means joyful, festal, uh, or prosperous. And uh, he's been referred to as the man who called Paul mad. And here I have entitled him as the, uh, the, um, the man pleaser. Now, reading from history, we find that Felix as we see, uh, courted favor with the Jews and left Paul in prison. And as we read through Acts chapter 25, uh, thinking that the Jews would compensate him for such favor. But uh, we find that history tells us that the Jewish complaints against uh, him, against Festus, led Nero uh, in Rome to recall him. So Paul's judgment, we find, actually passes into the hands of Festus, who was uh, the successor of Felix. Uh, and then we find in this chapter that Festus, who doesn't know too much about Jewish matters, he brings up the question of Paul's imprisonment before King Agrippa, who was more conversant with the uh, many aspects of the Jewish religion. So in Acts chapter 25, verses 1 through to 3, we find that when Festus had come to the province, after three days he went up from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Then the high priest and the chief men of the Jews informed him against Paul and they petitioned him, asking a favor of him that he would summon him to Jerusalem while they lay in ambush along the road to kill him. So you see just the whole subtlety of this thing here that uh, they try to uh, uh, sort of court uh, Festus' uh, favor and said, oh, look, you know, why don't you send uh, Paul up to Jerusalem and we'll deal with him up here. And it was all under the guise that they would really kill him. So it just shows the absolute hypocrisy and the uh, corruption uh, of this because of the false charges. Then uh, we find that uh, uh, verse 4 and 5, Festus said, look, Paul is going to be kept at Caesarea and he'll be going down there. And he said, if anybody's got anything against him to accuse the man, well, let's do it down there in Caesarea. So um, after 10 days, they go down there to the judgment seat and Paul is brought before them. Now in verse 7 and 8, we have the charges. Uh, when he had come, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood about and laid many serious complaints against Paul, which they could not prove, while he answered for himself, neither against the laws of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar, have I offended, offended in anything. Uh, you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, uh, 10 to 12, that men will revile you and persecute you, and they'll say all manner of uh, things against you falsely for my name's sake, but rejoice. And uh, Peter later on writes, if any man suffers a Christian, let him re rejoice. Now, 
as you look at the chapters here, these Jews were actually false witnesses. They couldn't prove anything that they were saying. And, uh, you know, listen to some of the, uh, the, the Old Testament scriptures, particularly uh, one from uh, Deuteronomy. And the Jews knew this, and Paul Paul knew this, but it just shows the absolute hypocrisy of the Jews at this time, professing to uphold the law of Moses, and yet uh, so contradictory. Now, I'm reading from uh, Deuteronomy, chapter 19, and I'll pick up in verse 15. It says, and this is concerning the law of witnesses. Now, remember, we have the law of witnesses here against Paul and the charges that they're bringing him. So, listen to the uh, law of Moses on the law of witnesses. In verse 15 of Deuteronomy 19, One witness shall not rise against a man concerning any iniquity or any sin that he commits. By the mouth of two or three witnesses the matter shall be established. If a false witness arises against any man to testify testify against him of wrongdoing, then both both men in the controversy shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges who serve in those days, and the judges shall make diligent inquiry And indeed, if the witness is a false witness who has testified falsely against his brother, then you shall do to him as he thought to have done to his brother. So you shall put away the evil person from among you. And those who remain shall hear and fear, and hereafter they shall not again commit such evil among you. Your eye shall not pity, but life shall be for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, uh, hand for hand, and foot for foot. And so it's very clear here now, you see in Acts chapter 20 and onwards, in fact throughout the book of Acts, all the, the witnesses against uh, Paul are actually false witnesses, they're witnesses just as they did against Jesus, they contradict each other, and uh, so the, according to the law of Moses, the false witness or the judges in those days, the priests, And the judges who served in those days, they should have made diligent inquiry and if they found the whole thing to be false, they were to do to the false witness what was was going to be done to the accused. Here Paul is the accused and these guys are false witnesses and yet they're violating uh, their own very law, the very law they profess to uphold. It shows the hypocrisy of the Jewish thing at this time. Now, as we go back to uh, uh, Acts chapter 24, so as we've been saying, according to the law, if the false witnesses arose, they were to be stoned. Only in the mouth of two or three witnesses could another be judged. Now, Paul goes on to say he has done nothing against the law of Moses, number one, nothing in the temple, sacrilegious, number two, and he's spoken nothing against Caesar, number three. Uh, it's very similar to Jesus. When they tried to uh, trick Jesus, he said, well, bring me a penny. And uh, he says, whose uh, image and superscription is this? They said, Caesar's. And so Jesus, by a word of wisdom, because he was wisdom personified, said, uh, render to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar and render to God what belongs to God. And here Paul uh, confirms the same thing in Romans chapter 13. He said, we're to uh, render to every man his due. So render to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar the things uh, that belong to God. Uh, so it just shows the whole hypocrisy of this court case here, uh, the, uh, that they cared nothing about uh, Caesar or Rome, the Jews, and yet uh, they professed to uphold the law. Now you'll notice in verse 9, here uh, Festus, as we call him, is the man-pleaser. But Festus, wanting to, the Jews, to do the Jews a favor and to please the Jews, answered Paul and said, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and there be judged before me concerning these things? And notice Paul's answer. And he's using his 
uh, dual citizenship. He's, he's also uh, has Roman citizenship. And uh, so he says, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I've done wrong, as you very, very well know. If I am an offender or have committed anything worthy of death, I do not object to dying. But if there's nothing in these things of which these men can accuse me, no one can deliver me to them. I appeal to Caesar. And so Paul, uh, uh, he, he, uh, I believe that Paul here felt he would rather be judged by Roman law, which had some measure of justice in it, than by Jewish law because of the corruption. Uh, here the law, the Jews are professing to uphold the law, at the same time they're breaking it. And so Paul felt he'd be safer under Roman law than Jewish law, so he appeals to uh, Caesar. And uh, I believe this was all in the plan of God because God, as we've seen on the previous occasions, the Lord had said to Paul, as you bore a testimony before me uh, in Jerusalem, so you must bear testimony before me uh, and for me at Rome. And so when Paul said, I appeal to Caesar, I believe that was all in the plan of God. All right, so that's a brief look at Festus, who is the man pleaser, a spiritually ignorant man, and yet a man pleaser. Now for our last number of moments we come to Agrippa <clears throat> and so as we see in our diagram on the chalkboard we have the Apostle Paul's testimony before Felix, Acts chapter 24, his testimony before Festus, Acts chapter 25 and now his testimony before uh, King Agrippa uh, who is a king here and not just a governor. Now we find uh, according to history that they're actually uh, that Herod, or the, uh, the, um, uh, the uh, Agrippa here, actually is a, uh, Herod Agrippa II, and he's son of Herod Agrippa I, who was the grandson of Herod the Great. And according to history, uh, we find that from about AD 50, uh, uh, or throughout this period of time, right, uh, BC, actually there was a long line of Herods, and I have them on my notes before me. Uh, number one, there was Herod the Great, who was Tetrarch of Judea in B.C. Four, uh, 41, <coughs> King of Ju uh, Judah, uh, B.C. 41 to 4, and uh, he was a very liberal and tyrannical and cruel king. And he was the one that issued the murderous edict against the children of Bethlehem, in, uh, as we see in the Gospel of Matthew. Then number two, there was Herod Antipas, uh, son of the former, and tetra he was a tetrarch of Galilee and Perea, uh, B.C. 4 through to A.D. 39, and he was the murderer of John the Baptist, uh, as we see in Matthew 14. And then number three, we have Herod Philip, who was the son of Herod the Great, and he married Herodias, uh, the adulterous uh, relationship there, and uh, he lived and died in private life. Then we have uh, number four, Herod Philip the uh, second, son of Herod the Great, and he was tetrarch of Batania, Iturea, uh, A.D. or B.C. four through to A.D. thirty-four, and uh, Luke chapter three verse one. And then number five, we have Herod Agrippa one, who is grandson of Herod the Great, a tetrarch of Galilee, king of his grandfather's realm, A.D. thirty-seven to forty-four. Uh, this is Acts chapter 12, 1 to 19. And number six here, we have Herod Agrippa uh, the second, uh, son of the former king of consolidated tetrarchies, A.D. 50 to A.D. 100 in Acts chapter 25 and 26. So that's the, that's the Agrippa we're looking at, or the, the Herod Agrippa of the line of Herods. 
and uh, he actually lived to see the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. Uh, his father was eaten by worms, as we read in Acts chapter 12. And uh, so here Paul is standing before this Herod Agrippa, AD 62, and he's giving his testimony. And so you can see what an ungodly line of rulers uh, in this uh, line of Herod, right from Herod the Great right through to this present Herod Agrippa. Herod's name, by the way, means heroic, and Agrippa means one who at his birth causes pain. And so he is the great-grandson of Herod the Great. And we refer to him as the almost persuaded person. So uh, Felix is the procrastinator, <coughs> Festus is the man-pleaser, and uh, Agrippa here, Herod Agrippa, is the almost persuaded uh, personnel. In Acts chapter 25, the last few verses here, verses 13 through to 27, uh, we find that uh, Festus, having talked to Agrippa and saying, well, I don't know too much about uh, uh, Jewish matters, and so I want you to handle this. And so um, Agrippa comes along uh, with all his uh, retinue, and he's going to hear Paul's testimony. So we find in this uh, situation here, Acts uh, chapter 25, verses 13 to 27, we find that King Agrippa and his wife Bernice came to Caesarea to salute Festus, and after many days Festus tells the king about Paul, who he has in bonds. And uh, so he speaks of Roman justice, which could not condemn a man to death before the accusers faced the accused, and the, the accused was given license to answer for himself concerning the uh, charges against him. So he told uh, Agrippa about Paul's case and that everything just seemed to be superstitious or the Jews' own uh, religious problems. And uh, so uh, Agrippa said, well, I'd like to hear Paul myself. So we find the next day King Agrippa and Bernice uh, and uh, all enter into the place of hearing with great pomp and show. The chief captains are there, prominent citizens of the city, they're all there. And uh, so, you know, we have to see things from God's viewpoint. This was just a great congregation uh, ready for Paul's testimony concerning his experience in Christ. So you can imagine when this whole host is assembled together, uh, Festus states before the king and all those gathered the matter concerning Paul and that he didn't want to send him as a prisoner to Rome if he didn't have some definite uh, uh, crime charge against him. So over and above all, as Revelation 17, 17 says, God was putting it into the hearts of men to fulfill his will. Proverbs 21 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as rivers of water. He turneth, uh, turneth it whithersoever he will. It was God's will that Paul go to Rome and God is going to use all these things. Rome was going to pay the expenses. So we have in Acts chapter 26 now, the next chapter, Paul's uh, powerful witness. And it probably is the most powerful witness of all, uh, even greater than before Felix and Festus and Agrippa uh, here. This is the most powerful uh, testimony that we have here. And uh, so we have uh, very much repetition. Paul just reminds Agrippa that he's very familiar with the Jewish re religion. He's an expert in Jewish matters. And so Paul tells about his whole experience, how he was a, uh, of the Jewish sect. He was a Pharisee, a separationist, and uh, that he was really being judged for the hope of the resurrection that was the promise made to the fathers. 
Paul challenges Agrippa that it's not an incredible thing that God should raise the dead. Then he tells of his testimony how he used to persecute those who were of the way and putting death uh, to death many believers. He tells how he's on the road to Damascus and how the light above the brightness of the noonday sh- uh, sun shone down and he saw the glory of God in the face of Christ how he was prostrated to the earth and then uh, he heard the heavenly voice of Jesus the Lord and, and the divine commission that was given to him and the, uh, the commission given to him is very profound uh, in Acts chapter 26 and verse 15 he says uh, and so I said who are you Lord and he said I am Jesus whom you are persecuting but rise and stand on your feet for I have appeared to you uh, for a purpose uh, number one to, be a, to make you a minister number two to make you a witness of all you see and hear and number three that the Lord would appear to him in future occasions and number four he would be delivered to the Jews and number five he would be sent to the Gentiles and delivered from them. And number six, he was to open blind eyes. Number seven, he was to turn people from darkness to light. Number eight, he was to turn people from the power of Satan to the power of God. Number nine, that they might receive forgiveness of sins. And number ten, that they would receive an inheritance among the sanctified ones by faith in Christ. A powerful uh, commission that was laid upon him. Now, as Paul continues on, uh, we find that... uh, uh, this commission that's given him is uh, so much like the prophets. He said, I'm clear from the blood of all men. And that Paul said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but uh, testified at Damascus and, uh, and from then on. And you'll notice that Paul in verse 20, he says that he was to uh, preach repentance Uh, towards God, turning to God and uh, do works meet for repentance and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul, as he continues on, he actually concludes his testimony with the basic facts of the gospel that the law and the prophets all pointed to Christ that Christ Jesus suffered on the cross, that was his death, he rose from the dead, that's his resurrection, that Christ is the light of the world both to Jews and to Gentiles. And it's interesting here that Festus, uh, you know, uh, casting off almost Roman uh, restraint here, he just bursts into the midst of Paul's testimony here, and he says, Paul, much learning hath made you mad. And uh, he, he says, uh, thy great learning is turning thee into raving madness. He thought that Paul was intellectually insane. And Paul says, uh, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but I speak forth the words of truth and righteousness. And uh, they had the same charge against uh, the Lord Jesus. Now, as we finish our session here, we find that... Uh, Agrippa says to Paul, and there's a a difference of opinion on this, uh, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Uh, One translation sort of puts it this way, with a little more persuasion, Agrippa may become a believer. Uh, Almost thou persuadest me to become a Christian. Some uh, put it this way, are you trying to persuade me to become a Christian? And uh, so even though there's a little bit of debatable thought about the translation, the exact translation of that verse, uh, the old gospel song that has brought many to Christ uh, was composed by, uh, on that base. Let me read you a couple of verses here before we bring our session to a close. The song says, Almost persuaded now to believe, almost persuaded Christ to receive, seems now some soul to say, Go, Spirit, go thy way, some more convenient day on thee I'll call. 
almost persuaded, come, come today, almost persuaded, turn not away. Jesus invites you here. Angels are lingering near. Prayers rise from hearts so dear. Oh, wanderer, come. And the last verse uh, says, almost persuaded, harvest is past. Almost persuaded, doom comes at last. Almost cannot avail. Almost is sure to fail. Sad, sad, that bitter wail. Almost, but lost. In bringing our time to a close here, we've just had a brief view of these three men, leaders and rulers in high places who heard the gospel and Paul's testimony. And so, one, Felix the procrastinator. And we have so many who will sort of join the company of Felix in that uh, day of judgment who have procrastinated, heard the gospel and put it off and never did respond. And then Festus, the man-pleaser, wanting to please the Jews and that, he puts it off and also hoped for more money and said Paul was mad. And so we have those uh, people who will join the Festus company who are man-pleasers, uh, just after money, materialism, rejecting the gospel. And then finally we have uh, Agrippa, King Agrippa, the almost persuaded, and those who were almost persuaded but lost. The final thought I'd like to leave with you is this, that uh, one day all this that we see in Acts chapter 24, 25, 26 is going to be reversed. Instead of Paul being on judgment before the judgment seat of Rome and being judged by those in authority, uh, these men are going to stand before the great white throne judgment of God. The Lord Jesus Christ will be the judge himself. All the universe will be there, the angels, the believers, the sinners, the unbelievers. Everybody will be there. Paul will be there. And Jesus will say to Felix and Festus and Agrippa, why didn't you accept uh, me as your own Lord and Savior? You heard the testimony through the Apostle Paul. So instead of them being the judges, they will be judged. And instead of them condemning Paul, they will be condemned because they heard the gospel and uh, rejected it. And so today we see these same three companies of people, the procrastinators, the men-pleasers, the almost persuaded, but lost. Well, I trust that uh, what we've shared tonight uh, is a challenge to all of us as we seek to witness to others and to testify to others. Everybody said amen. <clears throat> amen. Let's uh, close in prayer. Father, we just thank you again for the privilege that we've had of sharing together of your precious word. We thank you for the strength and the encouragement that we receive through the Apostle Paul as we see him testifying a witness before rulers and before men. And Father, we see so many of those who are in the Felix company, procrastinators, and so many in the Festus company who are men-pleasers and uh, uh, bound by materialism. We see so many of those who are in the Agrippa company, almost persuaded, but never do see that now is the day of salvation, now is the accepted time. Father, help us as we continue to witness and testify for you in these days. And we thank you for your grace in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.